It is a, a big day in the life of our church as we remember fathers and also our spiritual fathers, those men who have invested in us and, and mentored us. But I, I need to let you know uh, that if you were hoping to win the Father's Day Award for 2021, uh, that was won three weeks ago, and there's no way that you can be in the running. That happened down in Riley, uh, Mississippi. As I've told you before, one of my really good friends came out of my second youth group, and uh, something happened during the birthing process where he did not get the oxygen he needed. So he's 46, but he's, he's more like 10 or 12, and to him, pro wrestling is real. And uh, every year, he and I will go to a pro wrestling event. We went down to the budding metropolis of Raleigh and watched wrestling three weeks ago. And that's where the Father of the Year award was given out. Now, it wasn't given to the young father who brought his own steel chair that he could hand out to the wrestlers to hit each other with. It wasn't to the middle-aged father who handed a full Coke can to a wrestler for him to smash on top of another wrestler's head. It also wasn't to the bad guy wrestler who apparently was a father because he told the people of Raleigh that he lived in the biggest house on the biggest hill with the biggest car and that all of his children were honor students but that he would be nice enough to stay after the wrestling event to explain to the people of Raleigh what an honor student was. Uh, be, because their favorite three-letter word was GED. That's what he told them. Even he didn't wor- win Father of the Year. It was in the main event that there was a father on the front row who held up his young child and encouraged his child to lift up his leg because the two wrestlers had spilled out on the floor and were fighting. And so the good wrestler took the bad wrestler's head and smashed it into the sole of that young child's cowboy boot. That, my friends, is parenting. So, (laughs) happy Father's Day. (laughs) We're looking at the ABCs of Christianity. What are the basics that we are to believe about God? To, To just... Go through those again, to rehearse those, to celebrate those, to make sure we've got those deep, real, simple theological commitments, because we're bombarded with all kinds of ideas about God in our culture and day, just as they were in Bible times, but also then to look at what are, what are the responses, and that's where we were last week, this week, and next week. How is it we're to respond? What are we to be about? What are we to avoid as God's people. What are the ABCs of that? We started with the letter A several years ago, and we looked at anxiety, and then we got to the letter B. We talked about busyness and how we like to blame others. My favorite so far in the series was the letter D. In one sermon, I preached about drunkenness, debt, debauchery, discipline. Let me see. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. There's so many. A discernment. Yeah. And you all kept me. So that was incredible that I got to stay, and I've passed the hard, one of the harder tests. Letter Q was last week, peace and prayer and quiet, and I, and I hope you all will keep me around so I can get to the letter X and try to work through that. What will we preach uh, that day? We are on the letter R, and we're going to stay there for several weeks. There's so much we could talk about, basic truths in the letter R. We've looked at Wesley's wisdom on what he says about riches and rewards, We could talk about our own righteousness or God's righteousness. We could talk about 
reconciliation and that great ministry that we're given by God to be reconciled to him but also to reconcile others to Christ to be reconciled with the whole church maybe we talked a couple of years ago in our cross series in Lynn about God's ransoming love for us on the cross Uh, or maybe we need to talk about some of us need to hear a sermon on receiving we're so good about giving but you won't receive from God or from others. And that's not biblical. We have to receive. But what I want us to do today is to just walk through John's gospel and see there are hundreds of uses of the word remember in Scripture. It's a key reminder to the church to always to intentionally and to carefully remember. And you see it pop up throughout the Gospel of John. So we're going to be in John 2 and see how these disciples remembered that day when they saw what Christ did and and they're remembering what they've learned. But then we're also going to hop around a little bit. So if you're watching at home, have your iPhone out too or or have your Bibles out so we can skip around a little bit. Because this, this is ABC stuff that we remember We've lost that art. I had heard about a reunion group. My mom just had a reunion meeting, a high school reunion meeting this past week. They're getting ready for one. And I heard about one group that had gotten together, I guess, uh, several years after they had graduated and said, hey, listen, let's, uh, let's, let's get together. We're 30 years old. And let's have a reunion. Why don't we go to the Golden Embers restaurant? There's a lot of young people there. It'll be a hopping place to go. And so they went. They, had a, they all agreed to go there, and they had a great time. Fifteen years pass, and at the age of 45, uh, they say, hey, let's, let's have another reunion, and this time, let's go to the, uh, how about we go to the Golden Embers restaurant, because we're all foodies by this point. I heard they've got great food. Let's go, and, have a, and they all agreed, and they all had a great time. When they were 60, 15 years later, hey, let's go to the Glowing Embers restaurant. I think that would be a great place to go because it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's got a lot of peace and quiet. We talked about quiet last week. I heard it's, it's a nice, calm place. There's not a lot of music or loudness there. Let's go there. And they all agreed on that, and they had a great time. At the age of 75, uh, they were going to have another reunion for all who were left and said, hey, why don't we go to the Glowing Embers restaurant? Because I understand it's handicap accessible and people can get in there. <laughs> really well. Let's go to the Glowing Embers. They all agreed, and they had a great time. At age 90, they got that team together again, and they said, you know what? You know where it would be good to go? Let's go to the Glowing Embers restaurant. Wouldn't that be fun? It's somewhere we've never been before. We can have a... Can I tell you, I love that story, but it plagued me all week. I can't remember if I told you that before or not. I actually have written it down. I have, I have to write down, hey, I said that. Don't say that again at Madison UMC. I couldn't remember. And what Scripture warns the church about, Old Testament and New, hundreds of times is the imperative, remember. Or sometimes the warning, do not forget. That we have to always and constantly be remembering. And we remember, turning to John 2, going to verse 17, one of the ways we remember, first reminder is, we remember through learning. The reason they remembered those things is because they remembered it was written. They had put it before their eyes and they remembered. And then if you wanted to go over John 12, 16, the same thing. They remembered because it had been written. These things were written. John 12, 16, these things were written about Jesus. And that's why they remembered. 
Throughout John's gospel, it would be a good study to see how many times not just word comes up, but truth. This is the word of God. This is the truth of God. Jesus is the truth. But to keep that before us, we have to be active and constant learners. The reason these disciples could understand what was such a radical idea, God is with us, it's because they had learned They had read and studied and prayed and listened to teachings. And so when those things happened, oh, of course that happened. We remember it was written. We live in a world of the internet and GPS. Anybody ever fought with your GPS and ended up where you shouldn't have gone? Or vice versa. It's it's like we're almost dependent on the internet We're watching a show on Netflix or TV. Who is that actor? Boom, the phones come out, and we're looking it up. Anybody else have problems remembering? Um, Anybody else have had to have their passwords resent to them after 20 tries, and you got locked out of something? We don't remember well. And to show you how bound we are to technology to help us, we had a reunion with Sarah's side of the family two or three weeks ago, and her father pulled out all these pictures, pictures of family members in World War I, pictures of great-grandfathers, and it was a great time. But when he pulled out this physical photograph and handed it to a member of the family, it was kind of a, it was a little bit hazy, and the person was in the background. And so this family member put their thumb and their index finger on the photo. Anybody know where I'm going? On a physical photograph, they put their fingers on it and tried to expand it so they could see it better. Just like you would your phone or your iPad. We're bound to technology. You know, technology can be a great thing. To listen to church podcasts, like we have a podcast, or to listen to teaching, listen to Christian radio as they sing the scriptures. Anything to get us hearing and seeing as these disciples did so that we bump into something, we go, oh, that's of God. It was written that he would be this way. How how critical it is for you and I to do that work and to do that constant work. Y'all in our Bible reading plan, if you're a part of that, Ben set up not only a three-year plan but a one-year plan so you can dive into those. But for those of us still on the three-year plan, we're getting close to finishing We've been in First and Second Peter. Well, I taught First and Second Peter here a couple of years ago. I'm seeing some wonderful new things in those studies. Why? Because because of this three-year plan, it's getting before my eyes again. And the more we get in front of God's Word, He's able to use what's happened in the past, or study from the past, or re- a reading from the past, to open our eyes to new things. These disciples remembered first. Verse 17 and throughout John's gospel, 12, 16, because they had learned well. It's critical for us. How, how, how does that need to be for you? If you're not in a small group or Sunday school or if you're not in the routine of reading Christian books or reading scripture or listening to podcasts, to routinely put the word of God and the teachings of Christ before us so we remember well. But they just don't remember through learning. They remember also through by looking and listening. And you see that here in John 2 uh, later, I think it's verse uh, 22. They remembered what Jesus said. 
Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remember, he said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus has said. And then if you jump over to John 15, it's the same thing as well. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And so they, they remembered well because they listened well to Jesus, not only by listening, but also looking. John 15 is after John 13. Now in John 15, he's saying a servant is not better than his master. Master is not better than a servant, excuse me. Well, you can say that, but what had he shown them in John 13? Most of communication is not verbal. I've been told by communication experts about 80% of it is nonverbal. That's why you and I have such Zoom fatigue is that our eyes, when we're watching each other on Zoom, our brains are trying to figure out all the nonverbal cues and we can't get the full body to get all of that and our brains are working overtime because most of communication is seen, not heard. And so here in John 15, he talks this great truth, and they listened it, listened to it and remembered it. But in John 13, they felt it as Jesus washed their feet. They saw their rabbi and their Lord get down, take up a basin and a towel, and to do a work that a Jewish slave at that point in history could not be forced to do because it was so unclean. You will not wash my feet, said Peter. They saw their master serve. So how critical it is then for us, church, as important it is to listen to other Christian authors and to listen to other Christian friends in small groups to memorize the words in the life of Jesus. Sometimes there's a temptation that I might know a Christian author better than I do the Sermon on the Mount. Shame on me for that. I want to know everything and and memorize everything Jesus said. To memorize his life and to watch his life. These disciples, you see it in in our passage in in uh, uh, 22, you see it in John 15. They listened and they looked. How critical it is for us to do that with Jesus' life and then with all of Scripture. It's key to our growth. But here's, here's the beauty of this. And you can see it some in John 2.17, the influence of a life that you and I can, can help others remember by how we live. It's, it's, it's an incredible privilege that you and I get to be the hands and feet in the face of God. You hear people say this all the time. You may be the only Bible people read, but that's true. If 80% of communication is nonverbal, it's, it's that life poured out that's lived well and lived for Christ. In 2.17, again, they watch his life and they remember that scripture, zeal for your house has consumed me. When others watch us live, oh, what could happen when they see a life that looks like his. To be confronted in this world, in a world that is so self-absorbed, and yet to watch you give yourself away on Father's Day to remember and watch how you parent versus how the world parents, or for people to see you and invest to be a spiritual father or mother in your church and to give up things and to miss things so that you can be in on what God's doing with our students and with our, with our kids. Uh, What you do has eternal 
significance. I had read a story recently of a youth lock-in, and I remember those days, Corey, staying up all night with our students, trying to contain the madness and having devotionals from time to time, you know, uh, and kids would begrudgingly go to the devotional because they were ready to get back to capture the flag or playing video games or whatever. But it, during one of the downtimes, one of the youth counselors in this story I read was playing ping pong with one of the students. And one of the girls who was a guest to the youth group, uh, she stole the ping pong ball and ran away with it. Now listen, Ping pong, serious. We throw down at our house. It's a, and my wife's from Brazil. She does that underhand garbage. You know, it's not fair. She's got this extra spin. But it's a real deal at our house when we play. You don't steal, you don't steal that. And his first instinct was to say, hey, get that ball back. We're in a heated contest. Oh, we had just preached on 1 Corinthians 13 and what love looks like. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. And that scripture, because he had learned that scripture, remembered that scripture, he gave grace to this girl. Said, oh, can we please have it back? And she, she was not being nice. She just kept, wouldn't give it back, was being belligerent. Finally, they won the ping pong ball back and finished their game. Later, they went to another devotional that night, and that girl gave her life to Jesus Christ. She was one of the people that walked down front and responded to the gospel. And she got up to give her testimony, and she said this. None of, none, of, none of my family believe in Jesus. I got invited here. I've never seen the love of Jesus. Matter of fact, I know very well to get attention in my family, I've got to be bad. Y'all love me tonight. And I saw love. And I wanted what you had. Just the love of the church in a world that's so ungracious. How is it you and I, as these disciples are can watch Jesus' life, they look and listen and it changes their life, what a great reminder and the power that we can have in our lives, through our lives, to help others remember Jesus. Can I add one other thing from John's Gospel that I love here? It's, it's from John 16, 21. You can go back later, but I want to read it. It's a word of grace and comfort, too. In the struggle of living for Christ in this life, I love this little reminder in this word study in John's Gospel. He says, A woman, when she's in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a, a child has been born into the world. Now listen, some of you moms, when you read that, you need to let Scripture be Scripture and understand, because I know your response. That's hogwash. I remember every moment of childbirth, and that's true. But, but the joy, that joy makes that pain, that pain and struggle pale in comparison. I've, I've told you before about Sarah and our, and our first uh, child, Joseph, when he was born, about it, it was a 24-hour-plus labor, real struggle. And even when they started the epidural, they, they messed up the medicine tube had come apart and she never got the medicine. And here I am, I've told you before, uh, telling her, baby, what you feel is just pressure. And she was in full labor because they never got the medicine in her, right? But what I didn't tell you was the next day. Joseph was a Chris, uh, Christmas Eve baby. He was born on Christmas Eve. So after 24 hours and all the struggle, and really, she was in stress. Joseph was in stress. It was an emergency section, a very scary moment. Um, so that hour, as Jesus talks about, was a scary time. 
But then when Joseph comes, oh, the joy. The next day was Christmas Day, and we were two miles from my aunt and uncle's house, and all my family had been coming December 23rd and 24th, over that 24-plus-hour time. They'd been coming to check on us and visit us. And so I said, hey, Sarah, it's Christmas Day. If you don't mind, I'm going to run over uh, to say thanks to the family. She said, yeah, make sure to give them thanks and, and appreciate all they've done, their prayers and their help. So I went over, visited with them for an hour, and came back. It was interesting to me. Uh, what was the first thing my wife asked of me? If you're moms, what's the first thing you would have asked that day? I would have thought she would have said, hey, did you remember to thank them? You know, because men, we can be forgetful. That's not what she asked. I thought she might ask, hey, what were the decorations like this week, at, uh, this year at Aunt Nancy's house? That's not what she asked. She asked a simple question of four words. Anybody know what it is? What did you eat? <laughs> She's still living off of ice chips at this moment. <laughs> and she wanted to know. <laughs> Jesus says in chapter 15 and 16 here, he talks about persecution. To be a believer in this world is going to cause trouble. It's going to cause trouble. Some of you are living that with your family with your kids, or with coworkers, or, 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 or friendships are broken because you're gonna live for God. You're not surrendering that and you're taking some shots for that. And Jesus tells us clearly that's gonna happen. 1520 and 1633, in this world you will have trouble. Keep your eyes on Christ. But there's a good reminder here. Yes, you're gonna remember, but you're not gonna remember. You'll get through this season just like a woman who's given birth and oh, the joy. Just like in Hebrews, we're reminded, I think it's chapter 12 too, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. We will never know the full, I don't even know if in glory we'll understand the full horror of the cross. Physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. But for the joy set before him, he did that for you and he did that for me. So there's a reminder here, whatever struggle you're going through because you're holding on to Jesus and on to his word and you're doing your best to live your life, what a word of grace from John as well. That you, you won't remember that, but the grace and comfort of Christ will carry you through. How is it? You and I are being very careful and intentional. How is it we need to recommit to, to learning well so we don't forget? How is it you and I need to remember much better by listening and looking to Jesus and to his word as well as to other believers. What a privilege we have as well to help others remember by how we live. How can we do that more clearly and better? And if you're going through struggle, here's a word from John. Christ's grace will be with you through that. And, and that hurts one day will be nothing compared to the joy. As he says here and in John, 1 John as well, that your joy will be made full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder in your word of, about these disciples who have been faithful to learn well so that their lives may not forget you. Help us in that. Help us to keep Jesus as, as the center of our study to know the whole counsel of God, but to see him in all things, to watch his life, to watch his words. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bless our lives, that we would have kingdom influence, that others might 
see our attitudes, hear our words, watch our lives, and be able to remember about you. For those here who need your healing touch because of a, a hard time in, 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 in a persecution or, or struggle or trouble, thank you for the promise that you're a God who helps us not uh, to remember that as much as we enjoy who you are and the joy that you bless us with. Bless now our response to this, your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.